Hey friends, and welcome to episode 153 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's episode is all about tough choices. You know, those big decisions that really weigh on us, the ones that we sometimes try to avoid or we struggle with for a variety of different reasons. Tough choices are described as tough for a reason, but in the end, we often discover that those tough choices were actually the best ones for us. If you're in a season where you have to make some tough choices, and we all find ourselves there from time to time, whether those tough choices are for ourselves, our mental or physical health, our careers or businesses, If you know what it's like to make tough choices, then I'd love to introduce you to today's guest, Rachel Griman. Rachel Griman is a copywriter and documentary family photographer in Denver, Colorado. She owns Green Chair Stories, a company committed to writing websites that get photographers booked. She believes cookies are a perfectly acceptable breakfast food, as long as you eat some salad later. She lives with her giant dog, an 80-pound Bernadoodle named Bernadette, her giant husband, a 6'6 man named Travis, and her currently little but probably soon-to-be giant babies in a bungalow in the city. In today's conversation with Rachel, she shares the ways that COVID-19 changed how we all think about work. You'll hear how Rachel and her husband managed two kids, two demanding jobs, all while running a household. Rachel tells the story about how she accidentally grew her business and tripled her revenue along the way. And of course, she shares her experience and the key to making tough decisions. As usual, you know you can find all the details for this episode in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 153, including how to keep in touch with Rachel, because I know you'll want to after listening to this episode. And with that, It's about time we get started, so let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hey, Rachel, and welcome to It's About Time. I'm so excited to chat with you today. How are you doing? I am so excited too. Thank you so much for having me. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. So I gave everybody the official bio in in the intro, but I would love to hear in your own words, how do you spend your time? A lot of different ways. And honestly, I wish there was more consistency to it, but I am a copywriter for photographers. I run a collective. So we have a team of five women. And so at this point, I'm writing less and managing more which is much more conducive to this phase of life for me because I have two little kids. They're four and two. And we have had such a variety of childcare solutions in the last two years since I had my son that it's, 
even hard for me to answer that question, how I spend my time, because it's so different depending on the season and how much they're in childcare, where they're in childcare, that kind of thing. So right now, just a couple of weeks ago, we started them in like their school for the year. So I'm just now getting in the groove of, okay, they're gone from 830 to 3. Well, he's only gone three days a week. So <laughs> it's it's just every day I wake up and say, okay, what's today? Who's going where? What hours do I have to myself? And so I spend my time managing a lot of different people's calendars, if I could sum it up in one sentence. <laughs> so that's really cool. So you said that you're doing more managing than writing now. So that tells me that at one point you were probably doing a lot of writing yourself. What What's that transition like? So much writing myself. That was and as any business owner knows, you kind of go through those seasons of being the doer to being the manager. And sometimes that transition is really seamless. And sometimes you have a newborn at the very beginning of a pandemic. And it's like, well, I guess this is what I have to do to keep my business alive. And that was what happened to me. So I just very quickly realized like we lost all of our childcare at the in March. And then I had my son in June of 2020. So it was like, okay, how are we doing two full-time working parents with no childcare and two kids under two? Mm -hmm. And it just, I very quickly learned I needed to be able to work when I could, not mm -hmm. when a client needed me. Mm -hmm. So my team had that flexibility that I did not have. So it was like, I'm just going to manage everybody's calendars in a couple hours a day. And you guys are going to be the one, the worker bees getting things done. And they were so thrilled to be in those roles. So it happened when it needed to, but it was like not expected, if that makes sense. Wow. I, no, I love it. it. Accidental scaling in a way. Totally. Totally. And it was good for me because I think I was like white knuckling and trying to control some things in my business that I didn't need to. And I was wasting my time doing things that there were people on my team that were perfectly capable of doing. Mm -hmm. So it was a great lesson for me. And now I can't stop giving things to other people. I like offload as much as possible to everyone else because they're so good at it and then they get to make more money. Okay. We're going to have to dive into that a little <laughs> bit more. But first, so you said that you own a copywriting agency yeah. for photographers. Yes. Yep. Tell me about that. Yeah. Do, for photographers that need copywriting, did you start as a photographer yourself? Yes, sure did. Okay. So I was a photojournalism major in college 15 years ago. <laughs> and so writing and photos always went together for me. And I worked in the nonprofit world doing writing and photography for a long time. And then I decided I was going to be a family photographer. And then I was in all the Facebook groups, you know, talking about business with other photographers. Right. Business. Yeah. Like trying to figure out, okay, we know we're artists, but how do we run a profitable business? And I quickly learned that like there was a much bigger need in the world for somebody to write for them than there was for another photographer. So I still do photograph, but the I would say 95% of my business at this point is writing for other photographers because it's – it's something that a lot of people never considered. And then you think about everything that goes into your business, the kinds of clients you're getting, you know, building the value, charging, being able to charge more. It all comes back to your messaging and your copy. So for photographers to be able to outsource that is huge for them. So we write for, I don't know, last year it was almost 60 photographers, I wow. think. So, and this year we're probably on track to do a little bit less, um, but like bigger projects. So... Yeah, that's what we do. We just write websites. That's all we do. We don't write social media captions. We don't write blogs. We just write websites to help people get booked by clients they love to work with. 
Yeah, you answered my next question. It was like, what kind of writing do yeah. you do you do? So you do reps, do you do blog posts for them or uh-huh. do you just do like website copy? Just websites, like your home about services, pricing, contact page. Like we'll That's write am- the whole thing. You can just hand it to your designer. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that is just a huge weight lifted from their shoulders. Yeah. Most photographers do not like writing. Mm-hmm. Most of them would rather cut their arm off than write because it's just a completely different part of your brain. And I love to be able to say, oh, you think this is what makes you different? But part of our process is we interview their past clients. And it's like, no, 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 this is what your clients like about you. This is why people hire you. And so to be able to show them why people love them, it's the best part of the job. Oh, my gosh. I bet. I bet. Yeah. You know, one thing that after working with event planners, people in the wedding industry, stationers, people who create and have that creative and art side – so often they they kind of go into their work thinking that, oh, well, my work will just speak for itself. My 100%. art will speak for itself. And so they kind of forget about the importance of having that, that written communication mm-hmm. that really tells the story uh-huh. of what they're creating. What, what, do, what has that been like for you to help tell those stories? I think for me, it's not just about getting inquiries in the door for photographers because a lot of people are just like, I just need to get booked. I just need to make money. I need to hit my minimum, that kind of thing. It's about getting the right inquiries in the door. Mm -hmm. It's about writing copy that not only does their story justice, but really resonates with the people they want to spend their weekends with. Because Mm -hmm. especially wedding photographers, they're spending their Saturdays with other people. So Mm -hmm. I want to make sure they like their Saturdays, even if they're working. And if you don't have the right messaging and the right copy on your site, you are just for anyone at that point. And so if you put the right words there, you can actually hang out with people that feel like friends every weekend. Oh, that's fun. It is fun. (laughs) I love that. You also have two kiddos. You have a (laughs) four-year-old and a Uh two-year-old. And as someone with a three and a half year old and an 18 month old. I know that (laughs) life is super calm. They are very easy. And that is a huge lie. Yeah. So how do you do business? How do you do life with, with four and two? Tell me, tell me what that looks like for you. Yeah. Honestly, it's not consistent. Like as much, you can schedule your life to within an inch of itself with little kids, and I guarantee you, you will not have the same week twice. Right. Because, you know, daycare, I live in Denver, and so I would say uh, on the national scale, we're a little bit more cautious about COVID overall compared to other places. So any sniffle, they're home. They don't get to go to school, and it's a 48-hour window. You know, if they have a positive COVID test or there's a positive COVID case in the house, like my son had COVID last week for the first time. And we were so diligent, but he got it. My daughter couldn't go to school for the whole week because he had it. And so it's like, there's a lot of rules there. So that's just the pandemic getting in the way, not to mention any other illness they could get or any other life thing, you know, just the thousands of appointments you have to take them to just for being a child in the world. And so I say that saying, I am somebody who loves control. I love to the illusion of control, like I've got things in my hands. And so that has probably been the biggest adjustment I've had to make in this season of life. We always joke, like my husband and I both love our jobs. We love them. So when we decided to have kids five years ago, 
we decided we're always going to have help. We're just going to be the people that always have help. We're always going to outsource this. And it is so laughable how hard it has been to just have the help. Like usually people, the difficulty is deciding if you're going to stay home or how much you're going to work. And we had already made the hard decision and we agreed on it. Yeah, we're both going to work full time. We're just going to have help. And it's just so not that easy. And then when you have little kids that are home all the time when you thought they weren't going to be, it's like you're constantly juggling. Now, I am so lucky, and I need to say this because I feel like it's a huge disclaimer. My husband is the most hands-on husband that I know. He is so good at task switching. Like he can be in the middle of a work thing and a kid is screaming and he can turn, handle it, and come back to whatever he was doing. I'm not great at that because especially when I'm writing, it's like deep work. So I am the parent that is like, I need two hours. Like do not (laughs) come to me. And but he is so good at that. So And I have a husband who works from home most of the time. So when the kids are home for a week, unexpectedly, five full days with them last week that we were not planning on having, every morning we wake up, sometimes we whiteboard it and we're like, I need these hours, you need those hours, and we will just switch back and forth. That's how I make it work to be honest. Wow. The whiteboarding. And to me, like, that's amazing. Like figuring out, okay, we're going to do this together. We're going to figure this out. We're going to like communicate, get through Mm -hmm. it a lot hours. Does your husband own his own business or does he doesn't? He is an engineer for a fabulous company and they are just really flexible and they allow him to work non-work hours if he needs to. Oh, that is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. See, more companies should be like that. Absolutely. And he's also just like really fast. Like he's, I love my husband. I could talk about him for the whole podcast episode. He's brilliant. And I think he's just really good at his job. So he figures it out. But to be fair, it's still, I own my own business. So if there's an emergency, I'm usually the one moving Mm -hmm. my work day around because I don't have a boss. And he does. He has lots of bosses. So I'm obviously going to be flexible to him more often than not. But he is the first one on the weekend to be like, you have all Saturday, go to a coffee shop. I got the kids. Like oh. he will totally do that for me because I'm usually the one that has to like hup too when somebody mm-hmm. wakes up with a fever. Okay. Wow. So Rachel, you're running your business. Yeah. You are, like you said, you're doing more managing than writing. And mm-hmm. that's a result of the season that you're in right now. Yeah. You've got your four-year-old and your two-year-old, which that's like an adventure every day. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. I know. Because when one of them has to miss school, it just, it throws everything off and you mm-hmm. just have to, and almost be be ready for a constant shift or having totally. to adapt or having to move around. And especially when you love having control or oh, that yeah. illusion of control, it's like, ah. I just said this to my therapist too. I'm like, I feel like the last two years have been, I have had an A, B, and C plan. And I wake up and it's like, no, 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 where's your D? The first yeah. thing aren't going to work today. And it's like, you can only be so prepared. Yeah. It's like you think you have it together and then something happens. And you're like, all right, plan D. What yeah. is it? Let's think of it in the next five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Let's think of it in the next five minutes. I love it. <laughs> right. That's how it feels every day right now. But yeah. it's still fun. It's still good. It's just a lot more stressful than I knew before I kids. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though. After making it through an exceptionally difficult time, like let's say that kid sickness is colliding with lots of things going on with work, having that feeling of if I can get through this, I can get through anything. Totally. 
And it's just this confidence boost that I think I just leveled up to whatever the next level of parenthood is because mm-hmm. that was hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I just wish we would stop having those. Like, <laughs> I don't need any more levels. That's – that's hilarious <laughs> and not going to happen. Yeah, I know. Everybody says, just wait. I'm like, don't say that. Just let me live in my bubble that four is the hardest it gets, okay? I know it gets harder, but don't tell me. Just yeah. let me pretend in my yes. brain. Yes. Let's just pretend. Yeah. Let's just la-da-da, everything's fine. Yeah. So four and two-year-old, anything can happen at any minute. Running your business, your husband sounds Awesome. The best. Work, works from home. Super hands-on dad. How do you guys, how do you guys do life? Like tell me on, on like a, like a tactical level. Are there, do you have like a, a roster of backup babysitters yeah. or is it like routines that really help you thrive? Do you have like a calendar that you live and die by? Give me like the nitty gritty details of how y'all do life. Yeah. My mother-in-law is like our third parent and I love her also. Obviously she raised my husband. I love her and they live like 30 minutes away. So she has one of my kids one day a week and then I have him the other day and then they're both in school the next three days. So that she is the help. We have a lot of high school babysitters for date nights. Like I have, I live in a very family friendly neighborhood. So we have like two different neighbors that can just pop over and sit with the monitor for us to go out to eat after the kids are in bed. So we do that a lot or as much as we can. I'm trying to think, yeah, I have a college student that I can call to. Like a roster of babysitters is how we have survived. We live and die by our family calendar. It is yellow in the Gmail. Like, and if it's not in there, the other one does not know what's happening. There's just so much communicating that needs to happen that we have taken the pressure off of ourselves to verbally tell each other anything. It's like, I know you saw that because you got a notification and you had to accept it for it to go in the family calendar. So it's like, like my husband put in a full-blown weekend away for work in a month and we haven't even spoken about it. I just know he's going to be gone because it's in there. And just because there's so many little things we have to talk about every day, like both of us know that the milk is out and we forgot to say who's going to pick it up. And so I know I have to text him. Like that's such a dumb thing to be sitting in my brain, but you do. You constantly have to be having those little conversations. So we just try to eliminate as many as possible. And that is genius. I swear. I share the concept of having a family calendar that you share with your spouse, partner, even your, sometimes your mother-in-law, oh, if yeah. they are very involved, it cuts out so much of the opportunities to let things fall through the cracks, Mm -hmm. to cause last minute kerfluffles of, wait, who's picking up who and how is this going to work? Having that as a communication tool to keep everyone on the same page, that's that's fantastic. How long have y'all been using the family calendar? Probably since COVID started (laughs) because we had a nanny full time and it was just the same every day. It didn't matter. Like, I would have never put this 9 a.m. podcast interview in the family calendar before COVID started. Yeah. But because the kids might be home, we have to put everything in there. That way, if somebody had woken up with a fever today (laughs) or a runny nose, God forbid, then we can look at each other and say, I know you have this thing. I have this thing. And it's already in front of us. Mm -hmm. So now everything is in that family calendar because we have to know what the other one is doing. And I know that if he has a meeting on his work calendar that starts at 2.30, I'm picking up the kids that day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have to – it's the only place that we have everything. And you know what's fascinating is that I think a lot of people would see 
oh, you two both work from home. So why would you need to have a shared family calendar? Because you're both working from home. But clearly, this has been a huge communication tool oh, for you. Oh, we have to do it. Well, he's not here today. And I didn't know he was going to the office today until this morning, but I knew all of his meetings. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where they were happening, but I knew th- that they were happening. So yeah, we – and like he doesn't know if I have to – if I don't put something in there – It's just the only reference point we have because we have 17 conversations a day about things that need to get done. I'm going to forget half of them. So I just need a reference point. Same. I will forget them. What else? What else besides the family calendar? We, every single morning, we say, are you taking them? Am I taking them? Sometimes we'll have the conversation the night before. Who's picking up today? It's almost assumed that I'm going to because it's 3 p.m., but sometimes he'll finish work early and be able to get them. And then it's a delightful, oh, I have an extra hour to work today, you know, which I love. So we split chores pretty much 50-50. So we usually do them at the same time together at night, our separate chores. I have a lot of family. They don't live here, but for like when we travel some for work, both of us. So we try to have a family member come stay with the other one when we're gone because it's just so much easier. Really? I, that's great. Like I've, I've never thought of that. Um, yeah. Just to have the, that extra set of hands instead of it just being one person. If it's just a couple of days, no big deal. But he went to Africa for eight days this summer and I was yeah. like, no, bro, I'm not like, go ahead. But who's the backup? What are we doing yeah. here? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. And I love that you are just you know, you're openly putting it out there. Hey, we have we have somebody come stay with us. And oh, help. so much help. I don't know how people do it. And honestly, I've had to get over this mentally a lot. I berated myself for so long that I wanted the extra hands and I couldn't do it on my own or felt like I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. My little sister is married to a farmer. She's got three kids and she's alone all the time. Doesn't mm-hmm. complain, just does it. And I, I can't. Like, I, I'm not built like that. And I just yeah. felt so bad as a mom. Like, I just wasn't as good as she was, you know, and she never, ever would make me feel that way. But I learned it's because, well, first of all, she doesn't work and I do, but I am not set up for the stay at home mom life. I don't Mm. have stay at home mom friends here. All of my Mm. mom friends work. I don't have somebody that I can call and be like, do you want to just go sit at a park for two hours? Like, and just get out of the house with our kids today. Like Uh my life isn't set up like that. Right. My stay at home mom friends who have their kids alone, they have like weekly play dates that they do. They have all this stuff that there is in the calendar to make their life doable. Mm-hmm. My entire day-to-day life is set up for two parents mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. what I normally have. So it's okay that I have a hard time adjusting. You know, it's like throwing somebody onto a professional sports field without ever having practiced. You know, whereas my sister from the jump, her husband's always been a farmer. He's always worked 16 hour days. You know, from the second they had their first kid, she's been in it and figuring out how to do things by herself with one set of hands. Mm -hmm. And so she just has practice in this area that I don't. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But it took me a long time to get to that place of like accepting that about myself. Yeah. And I love having help and I will pay for it. I will work my butt off to pay other people to help me. Like Mm -hmm. I know that and I'm okay with that and I've accepted that. (laughs) Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. 
But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you want to know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. I read something recently that I can completely relate to as a mom who works is that so often those of us who either own a business or work nine to five that have kids, that we're expected to parent as if we don't work and we're expected to show up at our jobs as if we don't have kids. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the reality because it's all completely intertwined and the decisions in one area are going to affect decisions in the other. And it just accepting where you are mm-hmm. and what your life is built for and that we're all going to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Totally. And it's okay. It doesn't, it doesn't make me less than. And a big piece of this too is I grew up Mennonite in Lancaster County. So everyone I know is a mom. Like my mom was super mom to five kids and she mm-hmm. made it look breezy. And so some of it is like reconditioning my brain to like, hey, you're living a different life than every other parenting yeah. scenario you saw growing up. And that's okay. Yeah. That doesn't make it wrong or bad. It's just different. It's different. <laughs> so some of that was like just reconditioning. Like I, I didn't know any working moms growing up. Mm-hmm. So obviously my life is going to look a little bit different. Definitely. Wow. What an interesting perspective. Yeah, definitely. Interesting, traumatizing. You name- No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. So, okay. So we know family calendar. Mm -hmm. We know that having a roster of babysitters has been huge. That's actually something that I read about in Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg Uh way before I had kids was the importance of having a roster of babysitters and making sure that you're always looking for like the new rookies. (laughs) 
totally. Can the can the ones that are retiring or like graduating from high school can they recommend any like freshman rookies to yes. join the well, maybe maybe she didn't say that in the book. Maybe I'm just inventing that. But I know she talked about having yeah. a group of babies. And getting them fresh. That's important too, because they will fill up quickly with their mm-hmm. preferred families. Yes. And so like we have alley neighbors. We share an alley with them and their daughter just got CPR certified. And I was like, I I don't care. Yep. We don't even have anything planned. You're coming over. Yep. Like, we're going to put this on and I am going to be on your preferred list. I want priority. You treat them well from the beginning. You give them snacks. You let them do easy things and then they'll stick with you for life. I love it. Priority, like loyalty yeah. points. That's yes, hilarious. exactly. So you said early on that you are doing a lot of delegating now mm-hmm. in your business yeah, because of what life looks like and just because of the the time that you have available. So you're doing a lot of managing calendars for others. Tell me a little bit about that transition to delegating. Did you hire the team first and then kind of figure it out? Or did you map out how you would delegate and then yeah. grow the team? Or what what did that process look like? Because delegating is scary for a lot of it people. It is so scary in the beginning. But then once you do it, you get addicted to it. Like I think you re you once you get over the hump of fear, it's like, oh, I don't have to do anything. Addicted not, to delegating. Yeah, I, I love am, it. And I totally am. I love giving my team things because the more I can give them, the more we can take on and the more people we can serve. And the more backups I have when something does go awry, you know? Yeah. Like, okay, so a good example of this is when I was like 36 weeks pregnant with my daughter, so four and a half years ago. I um, hired my first writer. So that was my first team member. And he came on and I just gave him writing. Like I gave mm-hmm. him a, a small, the smallest chunk possible of the process. And then I brought on another writer in the beginning of 2022 when I was about to have my second. Mm-hmm. And so I was just managing them as writers and still handling 100% of the scheduling and admin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I am going to drown. I was drowning in 2020. I do not know how I made it out. And then finally, I went through a whole hiring process for an, a virtual assistant in spring of 2021. None of them worked out. And then I finally oh. hired somebody in July of last year, so a little over a year ago. And she has saved my life. Jess is our captain of organization, and she handles all the admin now. And so I can get back to my sweet spot that I actually love to do, which is marketing the business and Mm. teaching and educating our clients and helping our clients and emailing. You know, I get to be back in my inbox having conversations rather than messing with acuity. And my assistant does all of that now. So, and I used to hang on really tightly to editing our writer's sites. And now I have trained the writers. We have four writers now. And I've trained them to edit one another's sites. So I don't have to be a part of that process anymore. And because I find that it makes it more consistent. I thought that having me touch everything made everything really super consistent because it was all coming through me. I am only one person. The experience Mm -hmm. is so much richer when we have diverse perspectives looking at everything. So that's how I delegate. And I will do it until the day that I die. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Addicted to delegation. So tell me about what your admin or what your your assistant is doing for you because you said that they're handling like the admin. So what what exactly does that mean for you? They handle – 
every inquiry that comes in, they respond Mm -hmm. to and put them in my queue of people I have to respond to because I still respond to every single inquiry personally because I like to match them with the right writer, but that's it. And they're mm-hmm. all templated. Everything is templated. She handles my entire Dubsado CRM system. She handles invoicing. She handles client gifting. She schedules the calls between our writers and our clients. She gets them their questionnaires, their calendar. She gets them everything. So she takes our client from start to finish through the whole process. Wow. Yeah, she's amazing. She manages my blog calendar, my newsletter calendar. She manages everything. I love her. I would die without her. What an absolute delight. Yeah, kind she of is. that's exactly life, what she is. Life saver. Yeah. How did did she come in already knowing how to do all of that or did yeah. you train her? She's a family photographer. So she know. knows my clients intimately. Like she understands them. So I felt like they were talking to a friend when they talked to her. And she had been an assistant for another photographer and used all the same systems and she mm. just implemented them for me as a copywriter. And she was actually able to pull out some holes and make them better because she's oh. a photographer and knew what would, they would want for their calendars. She helps me with content creation. I mean, she's just the best. Everybody deserves a Jess. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, that definitely speaks to the importance of just finding the right hire and not just jumping into delegation. And I did it so slow. It took me six months. I like hired and or interviewed like five different people before I talked to her. That is, that's amazing. Yeah. Hire slow. That's the advice. (laughs) Hire slow. That's the advice. That's the advice to delegate. It's Uh scary if you jump into it and you don't have that trust or you make sure that you you don't know exactly what it is you want. But when you have that clear understanding, you're able to be much more intentional about it. But I will also say when you hire, if you don't have the luxury of hiring slow because you need help now, give somebody the smallest bite that they could possibly chew. The Mm -hmm. smallest thing that would still be helpful to you. See how they do and then add on. Don't Mm -hmm. pile. At first, I think a lot of people make that mistake. They bring someone on and they're like, here's a long to-do list. Just pick one. And it's like, no, no, no. You pick one thing. You pick one thing that will demonstrate their capability to you. And then you slowly, gradually add on responsibilities as they prove themselves to you. So one thing that we all have in common, whether we are business owners or professionals, parents or not parents, is that we very consistently have to make tough choices. Mm -hmm. Tough choices about how we show up and how we lead, how we delegate, how we parent. And you're no stranger to tough choices as well. In fact, one of the things that made me really excited about the opportunity to talk with you is that you peaced out from Instagram. You just gave it up. Yeah. Said, good- <laughs> said goodbye. I- Tell me a little bit about that decision. Yeah. You know, the why behind it and just what that was like for you. Yeah. So I already touched on a lot of the why without referencing it, (laughs) but so I took an eight-month break. I'm back on it now. I got back on like a year ago, and that eight-month break was like totally for my mental health. I wasn't even thinking about the business when I did it Mm -hmm. just because I was really struggling right after I had my son in June of 2020. You know, we're all sitting in our houses doing nothing still, Mm -hmm. and everything was so politicized and intense, and social media just kind of became this minefield for a minute of like, what I don't want to offend anyone, but I also feel strongly about certain things and I want to post, you know, that kind of thing. And so I'm consuming all this content nursing for hours every day. Yes. <laughs> and I just realized it was making me so unhappy. I was opening this app every day and comparing myself to moms that seemed fine. Like I was like a postpartum mess and everyone else seemed fine. 
you know, obviously it's Instagram. You're getting a curated version of everyone's life. But Mm -hmm. I was like, why is everyone okay? Like, what is wrong with me? Like, they're all just like delighting and having their kids home. And I am mourning the loss of the best nanny I've ever had. We had had her for a year and had all these plans and she had a baby the same time I did. So we were both being really cautious. So we just Mm -hmm. lost the help. So I was like, how am I going to run this business that has become a huge part of my identity? I never planned on being a stay-at-home mom. And here I am every day staying home with these two kids and trying to make this work. And I just realized the comparison game was just so devastating to my mental health Mm -hmm. that I was not going to be a whole person if I allowed Instagram to play any type of role in my life. And so I just decided I'm going to take a break. I thought it was going to be a month and it ended up being eight just because I had done a good job of setting up other marketing. Like I had my Mm. email newsletter list that I was really consistent with. I sent out like three newsletters a month and I scaled back my writing. Like Mm. I had been trying to employ all three of us, me and my two writers at the time. And I said, how about I take a step back because my schedule is so unpredictable right now. I just had a baby and you two just do it. And they did. And they did it wonderfully. And I realized I loved managing them. I loved Mm. it. And not having the pressure of showing up on Instagram and talking about copy and marketing myself every single day, our calendar was plenty full for the two of them. And we were able to like keep things running. Now, I took a massive pay cut that year, much more than I was planning on. And we had the luxury of doing that for the time. But I needed it. I I wasn't Mm – I mean, you can't work the same schedule when you have two kids with you. It just doesn't work that way. (laughs) So I – it was just one to two was a big adjustment for me. And with what was going on in the world, I needed the break. And Mm -hmm. it allowed me to come back to Instagram eight months later with a completely fresh perspective. I Mm -hmm. unfollowed every mom that I know personally. I went down to like 200 people that I followed total because it was like – it wasn't – them. It was me. It was like, Mm -hmm. I can't see you do this so well. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) it was depressing me. Even if I was seeing the highlight reel, it messed with my brain too much. So I only followed business people. I only talked about business. I stopped showing my kids faces because that was the other thing. I was really using my kids as a crutch for content because it was all I did. All I did was nurse and watch my two-year-old all day. And I was like, I'm, this isn't what this account was for. I'm a copywriter. I talk to photographers. I need to stop posting about my children. And taking them off the table as a content pillar yeah. made me so much more creative. And it made me so much more relevant to the people that I was trying to talk to. So it just – I had so much clarity coming back. Wow. So taking the break, you made a huge shift in your business that you might not have made otherwise because – No, I wouldn't have. I know I wouldn't have. How? Because you finally had the space, the just the the mental presence, the clarity, as you said, to actually think about what you really wanted, what your time realistically looked like, what you could do, what you couldn't do. And thank you for sharing that you did take a pay cut because so often people don't share. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a there there was a consequence. Totally. To but as a result of probably that step back. I'm going to bet that you're doing fine now. I was just going to say, I should have caveated that with, we had our biggest year ever in 2021. We almost tripled our income because I had taken a step back and I, I brought on two new writers, you know, like we, now we have a team of four that are writing and I still don't have to as much. I might take on a project here and there that I'm really excited about, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, I'm just managing them 
there are too many brilliant people in the world for me to think that I have to do every single piece. Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest thing that that taught me. Mm-hmm. Not I can create – our company can create beautiful work that has nothing to do with me. And yeah. I've written websites for over 200 photographers by myself. Yeah. Like you think somebody else's brain is going to be better at that at this point? Like who am I to think that I'm still the best, most qualified person for that role? Like my writers are doing much better work than I can do at this point. Mm-hmm. So yes, I needed to take a big pay cut to take a big pay forward. And now we're doing great and I can pay whatever – like more manageably to live our life how I would like to live our life. And I get to employ other people. Mm-hmm. So the the accidental scaling was clutch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So how about this is, you know, little nitty gritty question. Yeah. So, so much of us like Instagram ends up being a, like an adult pacifier for us. We yeah. have like 10 seconds of free time and we compulsively pick up our phones or yeah. we open up Instagram and we scroll. And then the next thing we know, it's 30 minutes later. Yeah. What did you do instead of Instagram? TikTok. <laughs> so, for okay. first, so for the first month, I deleted all of it. Like I didn't have any social media on my phone at all. And I got, I got TikTok back on my phone so fast because I love it. It is my biggest guilty pleasure. I do try to limit myself though. I try not to do it at night in bed. Like I would much rather read a book, you know, help my brain grow. I read a lot more though. And I had a rule for myself during that time that I did not want my phone to be out in front of my kids. I am breaking that rule a lot lately. I did not stick to that habit and I wish I would have and I'm probably going to implement it again. But it was so good for me to be present with them. And I don't say that in the like, we were baking apple pies together. Like it was not like that. But it was just like, hey, mommy's sitting and around. And honestly, it made me realize I can get a lot of stuff done when they're around. Like I was just sitting in a room with them scrolling on my phone. And it's like, hey, I could be one room over and still see you doing the dishes. Mm -hmm. And so that is probably what I missed the most about that season. I was much better about reading and doing chores with them around. Like I would have my Kindle and read while they played. Mm -hmm. Like I need to start doing that again. So yeah, that is not a nitty gritty question. It was so scary how many times I reached for my phone that first month to just do something with my hands. So I got like an art book. I was like drawing, like me and my daughter would draw together and I was like trying to get better at drawing. I hate my handwriting. I bought a handwriting book. I was like practicing my handwriting then. I have the whole basket right here. I really should do that again. Do it. (laughs) Do it. Yeah, I should. What advice would you give someone who is seriously thinking about giving up Instagram or whatever social media platform, but they're afraid of either missing out on connection, not knowing what people are doing or that it'll hurt their business? I think it's always the way we use the tool, not the tool itself. So I would ask yourself why you want to step away from something and maybe if there's just a way to do it differently. For me, it was really good to have that long break. That's how I gained the clarity was having the break. But I do think I have a much healthier relationship with the platform now. And so I think just asking yourself what it's doing to you and why. It's probably not the social media itself, which it is pretty toxic. But if you can have the self-control and the boundaries and the discipline and the rules per se about yeah. like how you use something, then I guarantee you, you're probably going to start getting the results you want. 
Mm, okay. Love it. It's all, it's all goes back to starting with why. Yeah. Why? why? What's just asking yourself why is usually the key to figuring out how you feel about something. Mm-hmm. We should ask more. We should ask ourselves why way yeah. more often. Oh my gosh. Right. And you like forget that that's like a tool that you can mm-hmm. use to like for your health. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, why am I feeling this way? Why am I doing this? Yeah. 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 Well, Rachel. It has been an absolute delight to spend time with you today. Thank you so much for sharing your experience, your story, a real life look into, you know, having two small kids and running a business and your accidental scaling, the delegation that you've done. It's been, like I said, a joy to spend time with you. How can we stay in touch and continue learning from you? Well, first of all, it has also been a joy to chat with you. You're lovely. I'm on Instagram with boundaries. Just green chair stories is my handle. And then I have like eight years of free blog content about writing <laughs> on my website, greenchairstories.com. Love it. Well, we'll be sure to link to all of that good stuff in the show notes so that people can stay in touch and yeah, keep keep learning from you. So Rachel, thank you again so much for joining me. This has been yeah. so much fun. Thank you for having me. This has been great. All right. I will talk to you soon. Sounds good. And there you have it. There's no doubt that we've all been faced with tough decisions of some shape, form, or fashion in the last few years. Whether listening in on this conversation with Rachel has you feeling inspired to create a family calendar, to ask for help, or to even take a break from social media, I hope that your next tough choice feels just a little bit easier for you. You can find links to the productivity tools that Rachel mentioned, as well as links to keep in touch with her over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 153. And before you go, let me tell you about next week's episode. Next week's episode, episode 154, is all about self-care, career self-care. What exactly does that mean? Join me next week when I'll be talking with journalist Minda Zetlin. Minda works under the philosophy of laid-back leadership, and she's an expert on finding self-care within your busy schedule without adding more stuff to your plate. If you've ever struggled to find balance with your life and work, you definitely won't want to miss Minda in episode 154. All right, thanks again for listening. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.